Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm David Marshall, and I'm one of the pastors here at Saving Grace, and I am going to be bringing you the message this morning. So just give me a minute. I wasn't sure whether Larissa was closing things out there or not, so <laughs> I was caught a little off guard. Let me get in, get in here. Um, okay, so today I'm going to give you the title. The, the title of my message is, By Faith, We Have a Better Hope because of his love, okay? And we'll be referring back to that throughout the message this morning. Um, but I'm going to try and take us on a little bit of a road trip this morning, okay? So how many of you, let me ask you this, how many of you have a good sense of direction? Go ahead, raise your hands. Now, I don't want to cause conflict here, but how many of you would say that your spouse has a good sense of direction? <laughs> okay, a few less hands maybe, I don't know. Your confidence <laughs> um, is a little bit unsure, I think. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I think that my wife would say that I have a pretty good sense of direction. Um, but I want you to think back about when you first started driving. Maybe some of you younger people here this morning have just started driving or are getting ready to, to drive. Um, and you're probably experiencing what I'm about to talk about, Okay. So when you're a new driver, there are times when you get nervous. You start thinking to yourself, did I miss a turn? Am I heading in the right direction? You start thinking so much about your surroundings, so what's around you, that you begin to worry about how far it is to the next road or town. Do I need to make a U-turn? Uh, do I have enough gas to get me to where I need to go? And, and so you start worrying. But as you get older and, and you have a little bit more experience, you start to, to realize, you know what? That needle's above empty. I got probably at least 20 miles. I'll make it to a gas station. Or if, even if you don't know your surroundings really well, you're thinking to yourself, you know what? If I just head north, if I just keep going north, I'm going to run into 422 or something you know, that I'll become familiar with, and I'll be able to make my way home, right? So even though you're still heading in, you know, in some direction, you may not be aware of your surroundings, you know sooner or later you're going to make it home, okay? So Hebrews 11 is one of those chapters in the Bible that gives us a compass that helps us to find our direction home. And the title of our, story, of our series is Jesus is Better, right? We've been talking about that for I don't know how many weeks now, but, but for a while. And again, the title of this message is By Faith, We Have a Better Hope Because of His Love. Now, this is a chapter that many of you are really familiar with, so I'd like to take a, a minute just to pray um, you know, about this, that, that the Lord would give me words that would encourage us and um, help us this morning. As we do this, I also want to pray for Mark Altrogi this morning. He is actually preaching at Resurrection Church. They had a guest speaker that got sick, and so they asked if Mark would, would step in, and he was willing to do that. So I also want to pray for him as we, as we pray this morning. So let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for just your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you for your word and all that it teaches us about you. I pray, Lord, that my words would be your words this morning, that you would help to encourage us, and that you would help us, as was mentioned at the ministry mic, that we would be steadfast and just know that you are fighting for us in all the things that we face in this life. Lord, I pray for Mark this morning. I pray that you would be with him as, as he preaches and, and speaks uh, to the congregation. Again, let your words be his words and just it, draw people closer to you this morning through the words that are preached from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So how many of you have ever going, have gone on a trip where everything happened perfectly? Okay. So if you think about it, you, you pack the car, everything just went nice and neat into that, into that car. Um, you, you looked, you had enough gas to get where you're going. You didn't have to make stops on the way. You're driving there, and your kids don't even ask, how much further is it <laughs> until we get there? How much longer do we have, right? They didn't even ask that. You didn't even get behind any slow pokes on the way, okay? How many, is that, has that ever happened to any of you? Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing any hands. I don't think so. Um, definitely, definitely not. It doesn't usually work that way, does it? Okay? Life does not always go the way you plan. And it can be tough sometimes. I want to remind you that we finished up in chapter 10 last week, and we were encouraged to endure. Okay, Hebrews 10.36 says this, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So why do we need endurance? I'm sure at this point in the sermon, if Joe were up here, he would have about a hundred different running illustrations that he would be giving you to, to you know, get this point across. But those of you who know me, I like the outdoors, so we're going to go on a hike this morning. And, and I realize that it's like really snowy outside and it's hard, so you really have to use your imaginations this morning and think that it's springtime. It is actually spring or it's, you know, even summertime and we're outside doing that. But, you know, those of you who like to hike, um, I know that you've probably experienced this before, but you're climbing up this ridge and you get to the ridge and you're thinking, man, this is the top, we're almost there. And you get to the ridge and you realize that there's another mile-long stretch in front of you ahead um, that you still have to hike. And you're just hoping that you can make it to the next uh, one and that that one's the top. You know, when you're in these situations, you have to look forward and you have to believe that if I just keep putting one step or one foot in front of the other, I will get there eventually. Our lives are not always simple and easy. And it often takes endurance to get over each ridge that we face. There are roads and trails that take us to destinations sometimes that we never expected to go. And we even sometimes get lost on the way. But it's on these trips, these journeys, that our character is revealed, it's refined, and it's rebuilt. Can anyone tell me three main characteristics or qualities, character qualities, that are important to the Christian walk that give us endurance 
and enable us to finish strong. Can anyone give me any examples, any character qualities that you think? Perseverance, Perseverance is a good one. Okay, faith is one that I'm looking for. That's good. What's that? Hope, good, and love. Very good. You guys got all three of the main ones and some others, obviously, that, that we have in doing those. Um, obviously, if you look at my message, that's, or the title of my message, all three of those are contained in there, all right? Um, so, uh, so faith, hope, and love are important in our character. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three the greatest of these is love. So faith, hope, and love are all very important um, in, in our, our walk throughout life. All three of these characters' qualities are found in Hebrews 11. All right, so today we're going to do things a little bit differently. All right, I, um, there's so much in this chapter, we could easily probably take a year and just spend on Hebrews chapter 11. There's so much in there. So we're going to be kind of jumping around um, in the chapter. I'm going to be pulling out different verses to talk about, again, that relate to our, our uh, title here. And so I hope as we drive through this, I don't give you whiplash, <laughs> uh, but I hope that, that you can follow along. And we're going to work our way around, and we're going to start at the destination. Okay, so we're going to be starting at, at the destination, and then we're going to work our way back around to the actual start, okay? So the title, again, by faith we have a better hope because of his love. The destination is because of his love, all right? I wanna start, I wanna start us off in verses eight through 16 because I think it helps us to understand, understand God's love a little bit better. Um, chapter 11 gives us many examples of Old Testament Bible stories and what we call people, or this chapter is sometimes called the heroes of faith or the hall of faith. However, it's important to remember that these heroes had failures too, okay? They were normal people, just like you and I. They became heroic not because of their own abilities, but by their faith in God and the purposes for which he had for them. They believed God and trusted that his promises are true, even though they weren't necessarily currently experiencing them. To set this up, we're picking up the story uh, that talks about Abraham and Sarah's faith. Again, verses 8 through 16, and it says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that, was, that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself re received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, that's really old, um, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven 
and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it was, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So Abraham obeyed God by picking up all of his belongings, and he set out not even knowing where he was going for a land that God had promised him. Verse 10, verse 10 tells us that Abraham was looking forward. So what do you think he was looking at? These verses tell us that he was looking at a city where God built the foundations and designed it for them. You see, God made a covenant with Abraham that we read about in Genesis 12, that he would provide a land for his descendants. It was a promised land that Abraham believed would be given to him, even though he had no idea where it was or where he was going. Hebrews 11 verse 13 mentions that Abraham, having seen them and greeted them from afar. Okay, so, so what happens when you greet somebody? All right? Most of the time you, you see them and you, you go up to them and you reach out your hand and you shake them, or sometimes we go up to a person and embrace them. We, we give them a hug, right? You, you embrace the person. Abraham was embracing and grabbing God's promise, even though he was doing it from afar. And he believed and lived as if he was in the process of receiving it. You see, the phrase looking forward and the phrase seen in this passage is really important. You know, most people say seeing is believing, right? That's what the world tells us. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before, seeing is believing. But for these men and women of faith, believing was seeing, okay? What did they see by believing? They believed God, and they saw the love and faithfulness of the Lord through their circumstances, despite the trip not always going as they had planned. They saw the love and faithfulness of God, bringing them through impossible situations and not always with the results that they had hoped for. The name Abraham means father of a multitude, but he never saw the numerous descendants that God promised he would have. And yet, he experienced the love and the kindness of the Lord throughout his life. If we jump over to verse 24, we actually pick up the story of Moses. And in, this, in, this, in these verses, verses 24 to 27, it says this, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth 
than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So how many of you would choose to go through difficulties? (laughs) Moses chose persecution over the easy life. He chose to be mistreated rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures that Egypt had to offer him. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He saw something in following God that was better than following the world. You see, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Now, if you remember, Moses grew up in Egypt. He most likely had firsthand knowledge of the, um, of the, the anger of Pharaoh, okay? He grew up with it, so he would have had known the danger of going against it. But it says he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What did Moses see? Even though he could not physically see God, he saw the love and the faithfulness of God in saving his life as a child, directing his life, and bringing him to his present position. He saw the provision and protection. I believe, uh, I believe Rodney or Cynthia may have brought that up this morning. The provision and protection of the Lord throughout his life, which helped him to endure. Now, I want to pause here for just a second to make a, a little bit of a side note, because I want to be clear that I'm ta- like when I'm talking about endurance, okay, I'm not saying that we are called to endure everything. Right? God does help us to endure so many things, but that doesn't mean that he wants us to endure and stay in every situation we find ourselves in. Okay? Just as God helped the Israelites to escape the oppression that they were under to get out of Egypt, there are circumstances of sin, of abuse, and oppression that God wants to help you to get out of and escape. If you are in one of those circumstances this morning, I would encourage you to pray to God and to talk to somebody you can trust, such as a friend, a family member, a a pastor, counselors, or professionals that can help you with your situation, okay? God would desire to free you from situations like those, okay? But let's get back to, to Moses and the fact that he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. To help, this, uh, to help us to consider this, I want to ask you some, some pretty direct questions, all right? What is it that you treasure the most? Take an honest look inside and consider these, Okay? What do your activities say about what is important to you? What do your words communicate to others 
about what it is that you cherish. My hope is that the, some of the answers to these questions would be that our lives, or our answers and our lives would reflect the love and the faithfulness of God, okay? That we would all be like the people of Hebrews 11, believing God and looking forward to the promise of his love that he offers to give to those who trust in him, okay? We are especially blessed because we have the advantage of actually seeing God's love through his son Jesus, right? 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Some translations say revealed to us, all right? That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. Propitiation means that he personally made the payment for our sins in our place. He took our punishment that we should have had. Okay? So God revealed himself to us through Jesus. And we have the advantage of seeing him and the reward that he offers us. His great love and for, you know, this great love and forgiveness of sins that came through Jesus' death on a cross that we may have eternal life. When you believe in Jesus and place your faith in him to forgive you of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are now, when you put your faith and trust in him, you are now experiencing the love of God today. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. You see, Jesus also shows his love in us that he wants us to grow in our faith and it become more like him. Not just being glorified on that final day when we go to heaven, but here and now, spending time walking with him, or hiking if you're like me, <laughs> um, and being changed through this life that he has giving, given us. By believing, we begin to look at our lives a little differently. Romans 8.38 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Are you looking forward like Abraham was to a promised land that we will be with him in his presence? When God opens our eyes to this incredible gift, this, uh, this incredible love, we begin to find our compass in the direction that we are to travel. We are looking forward to this future hope that we have of an eternity spent with him because we understand that Jesus is better. Okay? So by faith, we have a better hope because of his love. Let's look at the second section here. We have a better hope. So what, does this, what hope does this world have to offer? All right. 
You know, sometimes I think we all realize that everything in this world is temporary, whether it's the activities that we participate in, whether it's the things that we own, such as our cars, our houses, our furniture, and, and sometimes our clothes. I think some of us are probably glad that, that sometimes things are temporary. So let me give you a couple examples of that. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> The hair up there, the glasses that I used to wear were huge, <laughs> all right? Um, nice style there. There's another one, okay? Nice whitewashed jeans, uh, the K-Swiss white, white leather tennis shoes, right? Um, oh, the, this was a dance that Sat and I went to. Loved those cardigan sweaters, right? <laughs> and stuff. And here's one of, can you guys guess who this is? That would be Joe. <laughs> that is Joe up there. Believe it or not, that is Joe. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so we can certainly be glad that some things are temporary, right? Whew. Um, <laughs> the things of this world, uh, you know, may seem to satisfy us, but they are temporary. They may briefly make our lives better or easier or more pleasurable, but again, they won't last. The material things that we accumulate will not last forever, and moth and rust is going to destroy them someday. Even activities that we pursue don't last. I love to hike, but when I go on a hike, it's not going to last forever. I'm either going to run out of food or, you know, again, run out of energy. A storm's going to come along and force me, uh, force me off the hike or whatever. Um, things do not last forever. Okay. So we, we tend to think as Christians that, that the Lord um, is always going to help us through every situation we find us, ourselves in. And he does help us. I don't want to, you know, um, Forget that. But one of the mistakes that we sometimes make as followers and as people that are thinking about Christianity is that God will solve all of their problems. That if we believe in Jesus, our lives will be easy. And if we follow his commandments, he will bless us, right? This is sometimes called the health and wealth gospel. This is not what God's word tells us. Does God help us, heal us, and rescue us? Absolutely yes, but not always, okay? Unfortunately, we live in a sinful world, and he allows certain things to happen. We also need to understand that life is full of difficulties. God does bless us, but not always in the ways that we expect. Sometimes he blesses us with peace and comfort, through pain and struggles that we face. He strengthens our character and brings us to a place of trusting in him more. God desires to rescue us from some of those circumstances, even that we talked about earlier. But we should also rest in his timing, while at the same time make, taking the next step on the path that we have in front of us. I know that many of you have been through difficult circumstances at times, and it may be hard to see God's love because there's that next ridge in front of you that you now have to climb, and you are exhausted. 
You're maybe not even sure that you can even take that next step. But let's read verses 32 through 38, okay, in the end of this chapter, where we see a list of people who had great triumphs, but also had struggles and hardships that they had to face. We read first about the triumphs, okay? The triumphs are this, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32. And what, sh- what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, the, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. See, all these people saw great things happen. But the, but the verses that follow, follow these tell us how some of them got there. Okay? Starting in verse 35, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So by this point, you're probably thinking, David, I thought that this section was called hope, <laughs> right? Um, we do have a better hope. And, and so far, all this sounds pretty discouraging. But isn't that part of the lesson we're trying to learn here? Even in rough circumstances, even when things look bleak, even when we are discouraged, God wants us to endure and have hope. We can do this by looking forward and realizing that one day our story will also be a story of triumph. Take notice of verse 34. It said, we are made strong out of weakness. These people were too weak to accomplish these things on their own. They were normal people just like you and I. It was only by God's power that these events in their life happened and that they were able to stay strong. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12.10. He says this, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of you can truly say that you are content with being weak? Or being content going through, again, some hardship or calamity? I never really understood these verses until I had my accident. Now, some of, you, some of you know, I've shared with you many times before that about 12 years ago, I was in a, uh, a pretty severe snowmobile accident where I actually broke my neck, um, completely dislocated it between the C6 and C7 vertebrae. It was never so clear to me than at this time in my life that the Lord was working and making me strong. This was probably the most weak physically 
that I have ever been in my life. As I laid on my back for two to three days, wondering what the rest of my life might be like. But this was also the most peaceful and content times that I've ever had, watching God care for the needs of my family despite my abilities. Seeing him provide when I couldn't. Experiencing the love and kindness of this church. The body of Christ helping and assisting us in ways that were above and beyond what I could have ever hoped for. I was experiencing the peace of Philippians 4, 7 that describes it as surpassing all understanding. Joe has told me during that time that I was, I was really cheerful and always smiling. It was different than what people expected to see. And I believe that was because I had a peace in knowing that everything that I was going through was temporary. And one day I would be whole again, if not in this life, in the life that I would have in heaven. Hebrews 11 verses 13 through 14 describe this hope that overflows into joy that others take notice of. So let's look at verses 13 and 14. It said, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Someone whose faith is grounded in Jesus usually speak and act differently. When we understand that this world is not our home and that we are strangers and exiles on the earth, we tend to look and act differently. If you'll bear with me for a second, I know this is really stereotypically, uh, stereotypical, but what if somebody from Texas were to come up here in front of us and, and stand before you? What would be a dead giveaway that he wasn't from here? 10-gallon hat, Absolutely. Nice big belt buckle on the front, right? Maybe some cowboy boots. Um, his speech, he would he'd probably say, howdy, partner, or something, you know, something weird. Like, I'm, I'm terrible at <laughs> accents. But, <laughs> but regardless, his speech would be different, trust me, right? Um, there are things about them that stand out, and they basically scream, my home is somewhere else, right? My home is somewhere else. Those who follow Jesus, because they are trusting in God, despite their circumstances, their lives seem different. I'm not saying that they don't get discouraged and even sometimes express their emotions in inappropriate ways, but they don't, they don't always get upset. And when, you know, they, in the long run, when they're walking through all this, they run with endurance. And their words and their actions reflect that they are grateful. It's as if the things of this world are not what matters most. I think about many of you in this church who have been through serious trials, but whose words and actions point everyone around you to the love of Jesus. We all desire a better world than the one that we are currently in, one without wars, without disasters, 
without turmoil and pain, without sickness and death. For those who have trusted in Jesus, this world is not our home. It's because of Jesus and the hope that he offers that we are strangers and exiles on this earth. Jesus talked about taking us to our real home someday. John 14, two through three says this, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. We have hope and look forward to when he comes the second time to take us home, to our true home, and we can leave the worries of this world behind us. But until that day comes, we should be encouraged to endure by the words of 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 that say this, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. We have a better hope. Now, I told you at the beginning of this message that we were going to talk about, um, or we were going to talk about how we get to the destination, right? So with the time that we have left, we're going to go back to where we all need to begin if we're going to reach the summit, and that is faith, okay? By faith, we have a better hope because of his love. Hebrews 11 is sometimes also called the faith chapter, right? There, the word faith is used 26 times throughout these 40 verses. So, so obviously, faith is really, really important. Um, I love the fact, fact that this chapter starts off with the definition of what faith is. It says this in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, some translations say the evidence or confidence of things not seen, okay? Faith is the assurance of something that is, is not seen. Um, we have the assurance that it's true, even though we may not physically see it, right? Jason gave me the example of, of the fact that the hope of the Lord is different, and I want to kind of make a distinction here. It's different than hoping you'll receive a, a present at Christmas, or it's different than hoping that your team will win the game, okay? Faith in the Lord is a fully assured expectation. You know, what gives you the assurance of something? What makes you sure that something exists and that something will happen? You know, I've never been to the Rocky Mountains, but I believe that they exist. I believe that they're there, and I know that because there's history that talks about it. There's, there's eyewitnesses. I'm sure some of you have probably been there. I've seen even pictures, I think, of some of you, some of you there. Um, there's enough evidence for me to believe that they are there despite me not seeing it with my own eyes. Okay? We mentioned earlier that believing is seeing. This is the foundation of faith. Believing Jesus and his words that are in this book the Bible are true, and it allows us to see and experience his love. 
You know, I had a conversation the other day with some of my coworkers at work, and they, they asked me, how do you know that Jesus really lived? How do you know it's true? And so I went, uh, I went and I started giving them a lot of examples about time. You know, we have B.C. and A.D., before Christ and A.D., our time actually says that. I, I started talking about the fact that there were over 500 witnesses that witnessed that Jesus rose from the dead and that he, uh, you know, even in a court of law, you only need two witnesses to corroborate a story and all this. I, I talked about historians that... that um, recorded things about Jesus and even secular historians that, that did that. I noted examples of atheists that tried to disprove who uh, Jesus was and ended up becoming Christians. I also gave my testimony of how the Lord has changed me because I believe in Jesus. Now, what you may not realize about this is that for several years, I have been hoping for an opportunity to share the gospel with my immediate coworkers. For those of you who know me well, you'll understand when I say I chopped some wood over this. I will be honest with you, though, that my faith was pretty small. I never imagined that it would pop up in the middle of my workday, and then not just one person, but several people would be asking questions, and that those questions would be directly related to the gospel. I was hoping for this, even though I couldn't see or imagine how it would actually play out. It's, it is through moments like these, these God moments, that continue to increase my faith every day. Now Hebrews 11.6 says this, and I want to make this point before we close too. It says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If you are here this morning and you're watching online or you're here in this building and you do not know Jesus, if you have never placed your faith in him to save you from your sins, I need to be clear that the Bible says that you are lost. Without faith in Jesus, you have no hope because without faith, it is impossible to please him. But the good news is, is in the second part of this verse is that he rewards those who seek him. And we pray, we are praying that you would do that today, that you would seek Jesus and place your faith in him to save you. Luke 19.10 tells us that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It is only by faith in Jesus that we are saved. And this faith gives us direction, a compass that continu continually guides us home. So I have a couple more thoughts, but I want to invite the worship team to come up. I want to leave you with a, a, just a real brief story, and again, just some closing, closing, or a closing scripture. There once was a businessman traveling to an important meeting when he decided to take a shortcut and found himself thoroughly lost. 
he asked the first person he saw, a young child, for directions. He said, boy, which way is it to Dover? He asked gruffly. I don't know, the child responded, a little embarrassed. Well, then the man demanded, how far to Brighton? I don't know that either, the child answered. Raising his voice, the man asked, is there somebody around here who can give me directions then? I don't know, shrugged the child. The man's questions got angrier as the boy kept uh, responding with the same answer. Finally, the man lost his temper and said, well, you don't know much, do you? And for the first time, the boy smiled, looking up the winding road to a little house where the evening light glowed through the window and where his brothers and sisters played in the yard. And the boy said, no, but I ain't lost. There are a lot of things that we don't know in this life. But if we have placed our faith in Jesus, we aren't lost. As I close today, I want to leave you with the words that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know in full even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's keep looking forward and seeking Jesus. By faith, we have a better hope because of his love.